Welcome to the Church Basement Podcast. Today's topic is the Ascension of Christ. Grab a cup of coffee or tea, strap on those running shoes, or pick up your knitting needles or crochet hook and join us. Let us introduce ourselves. I am Pastor Amanda Zensalo, and it's my honor to serve as the pastor of Central Lutheran Church in Northeast Portland, Oregon. And I'm Don Miller, a member here at Central and the producer of the podcast. Okay, so Ascension has technically passed. For this year. For this year. Don't worry, it comes around again next year. Well, is it one of those with a floating holiday or it is. just a set day? Nope, it's a floating holiday. Oh, geez. I know. The third something-something after the full moon of something. No, that's Venus Easter. Venus rising and... <laughs> when the moon... Exactly. Right. No, it is after Easter before Pentecost. So oh, because Easter moves, then it has to move. Precisely. Okay. So that's the movability of it. Okay. And it happens on a Thursday. Okay. Which is always kind of strange, but it's often Thursdays when it is observed. And May 10th, 2018 is when it was this year. So what is it? It's the day of the church calendar year where we recognize that Jesus didn't stick around after the resurrection. Oh. So crucified, buried, gone three days, back again, ta uh-huh. On Easter, hangs out for a little while, and then ascends into heaven. Okay. And so this is the day of the church year where we recognize that Jesus didn't stick around in resurrected bodily form on the earth. But is supposed to come back again? The promise is that we'll come back again at the end of the age. Mm. Whatever that means. Mm-hmm. Which means you both do and do not want him to come back soon. <laughs> Depends on like the day. Exactly. How you're feeling. If you have a lot of laundry left to do in a day. Good hair know. day, bad hair day. Right. It makes a difference. Okay. So who saw him leave? Great questions. The disciples. Okay. And only them? Leave. Not in a big crowd? No big send off? Good question. I don't know specifically. I mean, the, the accounts are differing enough and oftentimes so many people get left out of these things anyway. Sure. Like, you know. Women. Fed 5,000 plus women and children. Exactly. Right. So it's like a footnote. So who knows if there were other people around who were there, but the disciples definitely were present. Okay. So where does this show up in the Bible then? Luke Acts. Okay. And it's kind of referenced throughout the Gospel of John. Mark, definitely not, mm. unless you're believing in that extra little ending. Mm. But Mark, it doesn't show up. And Matthew has the Great Commission. It ends with Jesus telling them to go, therefore, and baptize in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And lo, I will be with you even to the end of the age. That's the end of Matthew, but it doesn't talk about his ascension. So in the Gospel of Luke and in the book of Acts, the actual ascension scene is transcribed, discussed, and brought up. Okay. Which makes sense, given the more loosey, hippie nature that he would have some fabulous send-off. Well, that's John. Is that John? That's John is the Lucy Hippie. So Luke is like the medical one. Wait, now I'm confused. Right? People call the gospel writer of Luke the physician Mm -hmm. and very active about healings, also with positive representation and equal representation of men and then women within the gospel of Luke. Really interesting pairings there. Gospel of Luke is written by the same author as the author of the book of Acts. Okay. And so those are kind of a chapter one, chapter two, or parchment one, parchment two, so to speak. Okay. And in Luke, the resurrection account and the conversation afterwards 
Jesus eats fish with the disciples so they know that he's not a ghost. Right? Like it's literally, that's how it's put. Because mm-hmm. we want to know that it's a real body, but then we need to understand that that body hasn't died again. So what do we do with the real body? Oh, it you ascends. can't just have it die and bury it. Right. So it ascends into heaven. Huh. We get the ascension. It, it's also from that same writer that we get the story of Pentecost. Sure. A quick recap for those who may not remember. So 50 days after the resurrection, after the ascension has happened, the disciples have been told to go and wait in Jerusalem for the gift of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit comes down, rushing down upon them. Tongues of fire. Tongues of fire. Okay. And so that account is also only in the book of Acts. And the ascension is within that same author's works. So it's witnessed by the disciples. Is it witnessed by all of them? I don't know. I'm kind of, I mean, I get why he has to go up. Why? Well, like you said, you can't really bury him. Oh my goodness. Can you imagine the fight over that particular (laughs) piece of real estate? That would be awful. It would be horrible. I hadn't thought about that before. That would be pretty terrible. Uh Uh-huh. So the first congregation I served was Ascension Lutheran. Okay. So I had to think about the Ascension a lot, probably more so than I would have had I never served at an Ascension Lutheran church. (laughs) Right. So Central Lutheran is named Central because it was like in a central part of the city. And First Lutheran was named First Lutheran because it was the first Lutheran church in that town. Ascension, they picked it for a reason, however. Precisely. And so when you have like a theological name concept or a person in the name of your church, you spend a little bit of time trying to understand that because it was chosen by a congregation to represent them. And so I spent quite a bit of time trying to figure out the Ascension in my first years of ministry. Otherwise, I don't know that I ever would have spent so much time with this or know how to spell it as easily as I can spell it (laughs) because it is not an easy word to spell. So here's what I have said, and I've said it in sermons before, and people can find this all over my stuff. This isn't anything unique or new that I'm saying in this podcast that I haven't said before. But have you ever been on a team or in a group where there was that one person who did it really, 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 really well? Yeah. How much effort did you not do? Because that person was going to do it better anyway. You're just going to coast, right? Sure. I mean, yes, sometimes if you're really competitive, maybe. You want to play up. You'll play up. But being a human being like 90% of the time... I don't know if the son of God is there. (laughs) You take this one. (laughs) Right? Like, (laughs) I don't need to heal that person because I know you can do it. And I don't want to have to try three times before it takes, right? You got this, yo. Go for it, Jesus. So I think there's this opportunity that if Jesus stayed as a single human being on this planet, we would have been relying upon him to continue to do the work continue to do the preaching, continue to do all the healing, that it was really about him and him only. Whereas when Jesus leaves and ascends to heaven, the promise is still there. The death has been defeated. The grave has been defeated, right? God's love has still won. So that doesn't change the message. But what changes is that we can't rely on Jesus to be the one to do the work. And then all of a sudden, the work spreads out among all of us. And you get a lot more done when you're not relying on one person to do the work. 
And I don't know that if Jesus had not ascended, that the religion of Christianity could have exploded across the region and around the world in the way that it did. If we're just waiting on one person to do the work, there's no need for teams. There's no need for us to spread the word. There's no need for us to take the risk. It's a fascinating concept. Partly why I'm silent is I'm sitting here picturing in my mind what those early years must have been like, Mm. because this was not one of the first Gospels written Right. With the ascension, it was just sort of there in common knowledge that he wasn't around anymore. Yeah. And it had been a generation. Mm-hmm. And the work had been spread around and was being done by more than one people in more than one region and had already begun spreading and people were already being killed, right? It wasn't legal yet to mm-hmm. be Christian, so it was still illegal to be a follower of the way and it was still illegal to participate and... People were still being prosecuted and martyred, lots of martyrdoms within those centuries. And so you have all of this happening. And if he had been the only one, then, I don't know, the whole message would be different. Yeah. I mean, the leap of faith back then is different than the leap of faith now. Mm -hmm. I don't envy them, their own leap of faith. Not at all. But it's interesting in the context of today, thinking about it and trying to empathize somehow. Yeah, I think it's almost impossible Mm -hmm. to try to figure out what it would be like. And so when I talk about it like as a team thing, if you have the one person on the basketball team who's really, really good at throwing free throws, so you never practice because you don't have to, and then that person breaks their wrist, right? And so Uh you have to figure it out, and the team has to figure out how to manage it. And you realize that the team would be stronger overall if you all practice free throws anyway, right? But it's so easy when you have someone with great amounts of talent or great amounts of skills to just let them be the one to do it, to just let that star be the brightest one to shine. It also seems like such an important piece of the whole puzzle. Mm-hmm. Why doesn't it get more of a Easter Sunday kind of glow and send off? That's such a great question. And I don't know. A lot of times we don't even observe it on a Sunday at all. No. Years come and go and we never talk about it being Ascension Sunday because it's a midweek service. We had a festival for it down south because it was our namesake and we were very intentional one year about having an Ascension worship service Mm -hmm. to talk about then the giving back of the ministry to the people that that's what this really is, as God came and dwelled among us and did the salvation work and then said, okay, this is your ministry. You have to do this now. It seems like such an important essential part of the message. Mm-hmm. Huh. But we don't make a huge deal of it. And it ties right in with Paul's whole piece about the body of Christ and everyone being given gifts and the Spirit giving different gifts. It's a whole part and parcel of then what it means to be the body of Christ and that the body of Christ in the world is not an actual body anymore, Mm -hmm. but is everyone. Mm. That because he ascended and left, that the resurrected body of Christ becomes the people of God doing the work of God. You've gone from singular to collective. Precisely. Okay. That move happened before the Gospel of Luke was written, right? Because Paul's letters came first. And Paul writes about that to the Corinthians in his letters. And so it's a huge piece. It's a huge undergirding of our theology. 
It but gets we don't pretty talk short it. shrift. It does. Do you think that's going to change in the next, nope. I don't know, 500 years? No? Because nope. I think we still like our stars. We like stargazing. I think we like looking at one individual and thinking that they're the ones who are going to be responsible to save us. I don't think we like to think about the fact that it takes an entire group of people to do something collectively to make a significant change. I think we <laughs> really like hard the, work. It's very hard work and it shares responsibility. And I don't think that we particularly love that. I think we really like the idea of a savior mm-hmm. and leaving it all in the hands of one person. You know, a deus ex machina, the God coming down from on high and fixing everything at the end. I think lots of people are waiting for the second coming. Because then that's Jesus showing back up at the end and fixing it all Mm -hmm. instead of us being mutually accountable and responsible for bringing the kingdom of God now among us and working together using the gifts that we've been given to create that now in our present world. It's a lot harder to be responsible than it is to wait for the shining star to fix it. True story. All right, then this is going to lead me to a little more interesting of a last question. Do you believe there is going to be a second coming? That's such a big question. It is. I actually asked that question of a seminary friend of mine. Yeah. When we were in class and I looked at her and I said, do you actually believe this stuff? When we were talking about the second coming, the return of Christ. Mm -hmm. And she looked at me completely serious and said, yes. I do. And it just blew my mind because I respected her so much and I totally did not believe in it. So I have honestly wrestled with that question a lot. And I do believe that God will come back into this world in powerful ways. I believe in the return of Christ. I do. Do I think that it's going to come in the way that the Left Behind books say? Mm. Absolutely not. Mm-hmm. I think that's an inaccurate and a heretical reading of scripture. Honestly, I'll say that on the public waves. I think that that theology is abusive and is less than a century old. Now, for those who don't know, work. this is the understanding that... The left behind, the whole rapture theology. God takes those who are worthy and leaves behind Mm -hmm. those who are not is essentially what we're getting at. Correct. And it's a reading of the final book of the scripture that gives people that. And there's a whole theology around it. It's less than a hundred years old. It does not go back in church history. It does not have roots. And I think it causes a lot of damage and a lot of fear. Sure. And it's a really great way to control people and not a good way to create disciples and people of the kingdom of God. I'm very, very biased on that. I have really strong feelings around Mm -hmm. that because I've seen a lot of people really hurt and spiritually abused by that theology. And the result of that is also this twisting of the idea of the return of Christ. Which is supposed to be happy for all. And something to anticipate. Mm -hmm. And there are days when, like frankly, this last week... I've been silent on Facebook. Like I'm launching my curriculum on Sunday and I've been silent on Facebook because so much evil has happened in our world. And even today there was another school shooting. Mm -hmm. And on days like this, when I have no idea what I'm supposed to say to people and I know people are wanting their pastor to speak and I have no idea what I'm supposed to say because the only thing in my heart is, all right, Jesus, 
now would be a good time. Mm-hmm. Like, would be totally okay for you to come back right now mm-hmm. to knock this off. Because this is not okay. And we're not finding our way through this in any way that is helpful. So if you want to show up and bring that kingdom of God right now, I'm all in. I am so all here in. for it. <laughs> but I have no idea what it will look like. I have no idea mm-hmm. how that would be anticipated. I have no idea what it will be like. Do I believe that God is going to step in and not allow all of this to last? Yeah. I believe God doesn't let this last. Interesting. Well, thank you, Pastor Amanda, for taking the time to help us learn a little more about the Ascension. I look forward to sitting down with you another week on another topic. As do I. And thank you all for joining us. It's now your turn to get out and go do the kingdom work as the body of Christ. Thanks for listening along. We would love to hear from you. You can reach out to us by leaving a review at iTunes or emailing us at podcast at centralportland.org or find us on Facebook. Until we are back in your ears again, remember, God loves you no matter what.